Hello, beautiful friends. This is Sarah. Before we dive into today's episode, I just wanted to hop on real quick and tell you about a couple of things that I have available that I'm really excited to share with you. One is my course on boundaries, the art of saying yes less. Boundaries has been coming up so much. We're still in Libra season and it's just been so topical that I wanted to bring back this course and I revamped it. I added some material. It's beautiful and it is available for you right now. So if you struggle with people pleasing, if you find it really hard to say no to people, if you really struggle to end relationships even though you know they need to end, if you struggle with codependency, if you have really difficult family members and people in your life and you have a hard time setting and maintaining boundaries with them, this course is for you. You can work yourself through it and there's a lot of really valuable material in there. It is yours to keep forever when you sign up and it is available for 50% off if you use the code Aphrodite in honor of this episode. So the link for that is in the show notes. The other thing that I have coming up right now, which I am beyond excited about, is a brand new coaching package called Best Year Yet. Best Year Yet is a very intimate coaching and mentorship offer for life or business coaching where you will spend all of 2023 being coached and mentored by me. My one-on-one coaching clients get deep, intimate access. We are together. We are working on things together, whether it is business coaching or life coaching. So you will get everything that's included in my normal one-on-one package, which is three calls per month, Voxer access so you can message me anytime and ask questions and let me know what's going on for you. If you're a business owner, you also get copy support, strategy, planning, curriculum development, product development. You get access to my team. It's very supportive. It is lit. You will also get everything I offer. So if you're a business coaching client and you want to be in the Elemental Entrepreneurship Coven, that's included. Access to all of my courses is included. Any events I hold, any classes I teach, anything that I'm offering that you want to come to, it is included for you as a one-on-one client. If you decide to opt in to Best Year Yet now, it's October, you can take the 12-month payment plan and split it up even more. You can take a 15-month payment plan and you can get two months for free. We'll start in November and instead of January. So there is a big incentive to opt in now. You can make your payment plans bi-weekly. If you decide to pay in full, your bonus is that you get a VIP day, which is a $2,500 package. It's a six-hour immersive coaching experience, and we will do it at the start of your package. It can be done remotely, or if you would like to travel to LA or you're in LA and you want to do it in person, we will do it in person. There will only be three spots available for this package, and when they're gone, they're gone. So if you think that you want one of them, I encourage you to reach out. I will put a link in the show notes, and we can have a conversation about it. Like all of my programs, BIPOC, queer folks, and single parents are invited to take 20% off. The full price on the entire year of coaching is $20,000. If you split that into 
the 15-month payment plan, we're taking it down to, I think it's $13.33 a month, and it's 14 months of support. So it is unheard of low price for coaching and for my coaching in particular. And we're going to be working together really closely for a long time to help you transform your life, change or start your heart-centered business and make sure that 2023 is your best year yet. So if that's something that is appealing to you, if it's calling you, if you're like, yes, I want that, you've been wanting to coach with me, but the price was prohibitive, I would strongly recommend hopping on this offer and doing it sooner rather than later so you can take that extra extended payment plan and get those two months of free coaching support. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Without further ado, let's get into the show. Hello, and welcome to the Elemental Entrepreneurship Podcast, where we discuss the earth, air, fire, water, and spirit elements of building a thriving, successful, creative business and life. I'm your host, Sarah, and I'm so excited because I am here today with Pamela Horner, who is also known as the Awakened Aphrodite. Pamela is a master hypnotherapist and a master practitioner of NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. She's an astrologer, a tantric practitioner, and a teacher of feminine dominance. After working with celebrity influencers, therapists, and multi-million dollar earning entrepreneurs, Pamela decided to focus her energy on empowering heart-centered, intuitive female entrepreneurs who want to create a real impact in the world. And what she found was that a lot of these women cared so much, and yet they weren't able to call in the wealth or the relationships that they desired, and they were always accepting less than what they wanted. It has become her mission to change that via her methodology, Feminine Dominance, which is a call into the deepest feminine power and strength that exists on the planet. She lives to teach women how to create and claim the wealth and love of their wildest dreams with pure confidence and ease. Being in her space is an experience that will transform your life forever. Welcome, Pamela. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you. Thank you for the beautiful, such a brilliant introduction. I love this. I love being here. I feel so excited. So I found Pamela on Instagram a while back. Someone shared a story or a video that you posted about feminine dominance. And I am someone who talks about masculine and feminine energy a lot and feel like I'm constantly even coming up with different words because I think that masculine and feminine energy get so um, misused, which I know we're going to get into. I'm just and, waiting. As soon as you oh, said that, I'm like, I'm oh, ready. Into it. And also, and I've shared this on the podcast before, I've been involved in the kink and bondage world for a really long time. And so often you hear feminines immediately equated to submission. And like so many mm-hmm. people have confusion about top and bottom, dom and sub, Feminine mask, like all of these things being interchangeable or being tied to a specific role or sexuality or gender identity, and they are so not. And so when I heard you start talking about feminine dominance, I was very 
immediately my ears perked up and I was like, who is this hottie who is like, you're so peaceful to listen to and you have this incredibly soothing way of speaking. And also the things that you were saying were very simple ways of like expanding and breaking down this perspective that can be so complicated for people. And I was like, oh, I like her. And I took one of your hypnosis Mm -hmm. programs. And so I've like, we've slept together. You don't know this, but we've fallen asleep (laughs) with you in my ear. Oh, baby. (laughs) Tell me more. I love that. You're just making my whole day. So I'm so excited to have you here on the show and to get to share your dulcet tones with everyone else's ear holes. Um, The way that we like. Oh, my God. Yes. The way we like to start on this show is can you tell the girls your sun, moon and rising and then your human design type and authority, if you know it. Oh, my God. I love this. Um, So my sun is Sagittarius. Okay. My moon is Leo and my rising is Capricorn. And my Venus is also Capricorn, and my Mars is Scorpio. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And my Myers-Briggs is ENFJ, in case we have any of those people. Um, My human design. So I, I don't know as much about human design. However, I know that I'm a generator. And I believe I have sacral authority. That I believe. Makes so much sense. When I yeah. thought I was a generator with sacral authority, like I feel like um, human design is such a permission slip for what you mm-hmm. are right now and just to be who you are. And it was so validating to me at the point I was at on my own journey and in my own work to be like, yeah, you have no decision-making ability and logic. All of your decision-making ability is in your body, and whenever you don't go with your gut feeling, it's wrong. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I knew it! I knew it! I love that. <laughs> I yeah. To hear that. Yeah, I was like, well, it took me, you know, 35 years of doing my own exploration to figure that oh out. Oh my god, you yeah, I so feel that. Immediately. I so feel that, yeah. So I would love for you to share before we dive into all the juice, just a little bit about your backstory and how you came to your work. Yeah, so I mean, it's a bit of um, a twisty, turny tale, so I'll do my best. The essence of it was I grew up very insecure, um, extremely insecure, Um you know, I was made fun of and teased in high school and, oh, I mean, the list really goes on, like really, I mean, long list of things that occurred and I experienced a lot of trauma and abuse. And at some point I decided to get into the world of sex work and I became an exotic dancer and I naturally became kind of like a, a dominatrix exotic dancer, right? Like everybody has their sort of personas and their styles. And that was my vibe that, that became my vibe of, you know, there was an evolution. I went from getting laughed at while going on the stage, you know, by the other women. And it was horrifying as I'm sure you could imagine naked being laughed at to making the most amount of money in almost any club I accepted in. And there was such a transformation that occurred for me personally in that. 
I also had a lot of shame around my life, you know, my life decisions in that. And so what I did was I was, I became this powerful person. I was living a double life, basically. I was this powerful person, you know, the clock would strike 12 and I would become Aphrodite, which was my stage name. And I commanded the gaze of everyone, you know, I mean, unless it was like a crazy busy club with like five stages or something like this, um, I would get on stage and this was before I ever learned hypnosis. This was before neurolinguistic programming, you know, I was like 18, 18 at the time. I'd get on stage and with one look, everyone would stop what they were doing and stare at me. And I had an understanding of erotic trance that I equated to, I don't really know, a certain, a certain state, I suppose, that I was able to go into. And then, you know, that world started to feel traumatic and unkind to put it lightly after a couple of years and I decided you know no one's ever going to find out about this at the time you know I'm gonna this is going to be one of the many skeletons in my closet no one will ever know and I'm gonna go and live a regular life get a regular job and pretend that this never happened well to suicidal depression and (laughs) not to make light of that. Um, But I became very depressed and I lost my spark and I lost her, you know, I lost her and I was determined to get her back. But, you know, there were many entanglements, the good and the bad. There were good, there were good parts of her and there were bad parts of her, which is why. You know, I kind of put her in the closet, if you will. And when I say her, what I'm talking about is this dominant self. And so I became committed and determined to integrate the good. Right. And and I was afraid of some of the darker aspects of myself. And so I got a coach, you know, I... Um, at this time I had already become a hypnotherapist and started coaching real estate agents, helping them making more, helping them to make more money. Well, still kind of living in secret. Like I'd stopped dancing. I was, you know, living in the normal world, if you will. And at some point it just all broke open. I was like, I can't have this identity anymore. No one even fucking knows me. No one even knows who I am. And it's in that that I committed my life in healing my own wounding around my own dominance and submission and things like this. Um, And masculine and feminine and all of the things. I became committed to teaching women what it is to be dominant in a really healthy way. I do have male clients as well, but most of my programs are for women. And to also be so deeply feminine because what I had learned how to do 
was what I teach now, right? And there's healthy ways of doing it. There's unhealthy ways of doing it, just like with anything, right? Just like with anything. And what the differentiator is in that is your intention. What is your intention? Is your intention love or is your intention manipulation? Because anything can be used for more love. Anything can be used for manipulation. And what I also found was that a lot of people that wanted to learn dominance actually wanted to learn manipulation, right? They actually wanted to learn control. And I remember having this defining moment where I was like, I know, and and I have a program called How to Train Your Man, right? And it's an amazing program. I love it. I love How to Train Your Man, or I think I called it How to Train Your Dragon slash Man. And even in that it is a call into deeper connection. It is ultimately a call into deeper connection. Um, And I remember I had this moment where I was like, I know that I can make a program called how to manipulate the pants off of everybody. And it's going to sell like hotcakes. But I don't want to do that. Because that works. It works. Oh, it works, but it is a band-aid. Right? It will, it's the thing that will get the person to call you. But then they're not gonna stay. Right? It's the thing that that gets you, you know, the client they're not going to experience the deep transformation. And we see this a lot in the world of hypnosis and NLP. Someone who knows how to do neuro-linguistic programming, but like they're not really in alignment. It's called, we would call it, my friend, my colleagues and I would call it getting NLP'd, right? Like you were just NLP'd <laughs> by someone. And so I sat there and I went, what I want to create is a movement into deeper love and connection, and authenticity, and power, and dominance, versus what we've been modeled in the world, which is dominant, completely devoid of caring. Dominance as control, dominance as manipulation. And the last thing that I'll say about that is many people that, so I've never been a professional dominatrix myself, Um, I have lived a BDSM lifestyle and I have had many friends that were professional dominatrixes. It's just not something I ever desired, desired to do, um, outside of my personal life. And a lot of them were exhausted. They would leave the dungeon. All they wanted was to be dominated by their partner even and especially the ones that were like, I would never be submissive, right? Because that's a whole subsection of the BDSM world, right? But all they wanted was to feel held and supported and, you know, in a dominant presence when they got home too. And I went, wow, it's so interesting that even our ideas of what it means to be dominant are based in 
kink, which is a beautiful thing. I mean, I've learned so much from that. And also, what does the everyday look like? What does sustainable dominance look like in a really relaxed, open kind of way versus it just being used in these sort of scenarios? You know, versus being a thing that maybe you need a break from. Yeah. And so what does that look like? Oh my gosh, there's so much in here. So I want to like pull a handful of things apart because I feel like this set us up really well. And there's just like some layers I want to add and um, tell me yeah, what think. But um, I just want to say for those of you out there who are non-binary or don't relate with either term, man or woman, one of the things we're really talking about in here is femme identity right, which also is genderless, and I want to say that, and yeah. feminine expression, femininity and feminine expression, which also is genderless. And I want to identify that because there are many people who are femme expressing and femme presenting who don't identify with the term woman who can still really benefit from understanding some of what we're really about to dive into. So um, if the term woman is not your term, like, please don't be turned off. But if you consider yourself femme or femme expressing and or you've gotten bullied for being too femme, I think there's going to be some nuggets and some juice in here for you, I hope, because mm -hmm. I think it's really important to like kind of double click on some of what you just shared about when people want feminine dominance, what they really what it turns out they really want is manipulation. And so I want to. First of all, kind of look at the the overarching systems of oppression that all of this lives underneath, right? We live in a patriarchal, misogynist society that hates the feminine, right? Not just mm -hmm. hates women, though it does hate women, but it hates the feminine, which is yes. why calling someone feminine, calling a masculine identified person feminine is an insult. To call someone a bitch is an insult. To call someone feminine is mm -hmm. insulting. And so we have to like, First, look at the fact that we're operating in this world under which feminine traits, by and large, are villainized and are considered mm -hmm. less than. And so we already have that overarching thing that we're unpacking, right? So if you are a femme or a femme-identified person or a woman and you express feminine, because there are women who also don't express feminine, they express more on the masculine. Mm -hmm. We still have to look at the fact that in a broken system, and I say broken because ideally the masculine and the feminine as two parts of a whole would be exalted and healthy and lifted up. And there are healthy masculine traits, just like there are healthy dominant traits and there are healthy mm -hmm. feminine traits, but in a broken system where there's power over, right? The masculine has power over the feminine in the system. Yes. The masculine skews toward the unhealthy as well. So what we think of as masculine dominance is sometimes an unhealthy, and we can use, I use go and flow, you can use yin and yang, you can use whatever terms if masculine and feminine feels too loaded. But when we're thinking about the excessive masculine, we're getting into domination and aggression and controlling and having like rigid constructs and forcing things, being overly assertive, being overly 
you know, just like rigid and tough, right? Like we go into this like really aggressive side. And so sometimes when feminine people are trying to find their power, what they go into is the unbalanced masculine, like the most over pushed side of the masculine, Mm -hmm. or they go into the wounded side of the feminine, which is that we get our power covertly. And so we go into that. It has to be secret. It has to be sneaky. It has to be manipulative. It's depressive. It's wallowy. It's, um, codependent it's you know frigid it's smothering and I want to say again this is genderless because I have definitely had male partners who express wounded feminine manipulation (laughs) I think we all have (laughs) but like I think it's really important to identify that like when you're in a healthy place of say flow and being and receptivity and creativity and patience versus a healthy place of healthy direction, healthy assertiveness, healthy logic, healthy giving, healthy action, healthy consciousness. There is a healthy expression of both sides of these polarities and both of them get skewed because our whole system around masculine and feminine our whole system in the patriarchy is skewed toward the suppression of the feminine in a way that is Mm -hmm. hurting everyone like gender Mm -hmm. identity be damned patriarchy misogyny hurts everybody (laughs) and so we end up with these really confused feelings about what dominance is and we either get into that space of it has sneaky and manipulative or it has to be aggressive and like hurting someone exactly yes that up and be like none of that is what we're talking about exactly yeah exactly and you know this was a thing that I saw so much of oh my so uh, a thing that started happening and and this has shifted now because I heard this and I went oh my god I obviously need to shift my marketing (laughs) at this time right when I was first starting my business I had a bunch of people reaching out to me saying things like, oh my God, they had never worked with me. They were not ever my clients. I didn't even know who these people were. They had reached out to me and said, I've been doing dominance and I can't even remember now because it's like years ago, but I've been doing dominance and insert, they were just being an asshole here. (laughs) Like insert, they had just been really aggressive with someone or not, not like physically aggressive, but, you know, I just, you know, I've, I've been being more dominant. Um, thank you for like, whatever, whatever. And I, and I would say to them, like, that's not dominance like that. I don't know what that is, but that's not dominant. I mean, I do know what that is, but it's not dominant. That's self-protection, right? Self-protection that's actually coming from your fear, which I understand. I understand that you were afraid of the person that you were dating um, and then felt the need to control and manipulate in these ways coming from your fear, but please don't call that dominance. And the other thing that I just want to say is I agree with everything that you're saying about the demonization of the femme, right? And then we have the spiritual community that comes in and says, you're not femme enough. Oh, you're not in a relationship? Oh, honey, that's because you're not femme enough. Um, You're not 
you know, you're not loved and adored by men. And not that it's just men. It's just that I don't see this happening. I don't see this happening person to person or woman to woman, woman in the same way that I see it happening um, in the dynamics of men to women, personally, in my experience. The, the twin flamey conscious love, if you're in that particular subset of the online world, there you'll know exactly what we're talking about. There's an entire influencer community out there yeah. of you know, dudes teaching, you know, how to be present with your woman and how to unlock her feminine. And then a lot of coaches, both male and female coaches for women that are really pushing this picture of, you know, like quote unquote sacred femininity to attract your king. And a lot yes. of it is like, how super toxic it's super toxic it's like how to like subsume all of your own personality and just be soft all the time and justify someone treating you like shit it's like really it's like exactly a relationship version of toxic positivity exactly yeah and that's exactly that's the majority of what I see that's the majority of what I see in terms of clients and things like this is but I keep telling him how I feel or I keep telling them how I feel and they're just not getting it. And all they're doing is communicating their feelings. I feel this. Oh, thank you. This made me feel this way, which is a beautiful expression. If you're not used to expressing your feeling. Um, and it's quite limiting when we start talking about dominance really dominance and power I also think and like I want to dive deeper into dominance but I just want to double click on two things one the thing you said about the difference between being dominant and being an asshole and also the difference between having boundaries and standards and having like armor and walls up and oh god yes yes he, and I think everyone goes through a phase, if you're somebody who, you know, operated boundaryless for most of your life, like I did, or like, you know, grew up in a family system where you had no boundaries and you were a codependent, enmeshed, love-addicted person for a certain period of your life, and you start learning about like, okay, I'm going to start setting boundaries. We always, I think most people skew too far in the other direction for a little bit yeah. and get very, very defensive of ourselves. And I think that that's normal and healthy. And then sometimes we stay there. We don't kind of calibrate back to like, okay, like one of these is an extreme lack and the other is an extreme overcompensation and absolutely there's like healthy boundaries but I think a lot of us walk around armored up and aggressive thinking that we have boundaries and that's not that's not quite what we're going for and and we're lonely in that right like we're cutting right. people off really fast and fuck that person and like you know just like yeah. really shutting people down and um not having the we still don't have the ability when we're in that space to be present with other people's emotions and complexity, which you don't have when you have no boundaries and you don't have when you have rigid like walls up. Either way, you have not yet cultivated the ability to be present and patient and spacious to like figure out the situation before you make a call. Sometimes we do have to end relationships and cut people off, but 
when we're in that that wall space, we're doing it way too fast. <laughs> like we're like well, we're probably missing. I know I missed out on some good people because I got my heckles up and I got scared and I reacted from a place of fear and protectiveness of myself and cut people off way too fast mm -hmm. because I had not yet cultivated the ability in myself to be strong enough in my own body, in my own center, to like be present with someone's feelings and have a conversation and figure out what was happening and make a, you know, a more centered, grounded choice. <laughs> so just for those of you out there who are like, ooh, wait, I think I do that. Um, there's a center for you that's not quite being so aggressive where you still get to be a strong person, but you don't have to be a strong person at the expense of softness at the expense of relationships at the expense of being a human with the people in your life and like you know everyone even the most loving kind wonderful people like sometimes step on our toes and make mistakes and hurt our feelings and there are misunderstandings yeah. and boundaries help us navigate that but walls don't yeah yeah absolutely well and the best way to have boundaries is from desire right boundaries are desire, right? Boundaries get to be your desires um, versus a keep out, stay out situation. And the thing that you're really talking about is safety, right? Um, this feeling of not feeling safe. Someone who's reactive is a person that doesn't feel safe, right? Someone who's reactive doesn't feel safe. And this is where we dive into deeper um, somatics really around this and, and the body and how your body responds in these moments. And this is where a lot of my teachings really move into the self-dominance, right? Everyone comes in and they're like, teach me how to outwardly dominate. And I'm like, oh, you cutie, <laughs> you cutie, come sit down. I hear you, I hear you, put it down and listen. First, we must begin with you. And this is the part that everyone wants to skip. You know, everyone wants to skip this part. Um, this very much reminds me of hypnosis, where the best way to learn hypnosis is through osmosis. That is the absolute best way to learn hypnosis. Reading a book versus learning hypnosis through osmosis and being in the presence of a great hypnotist, you can't even compare the two. They're not the same thing, not remotely. And this is very much like dominance in the sense of the best way to learn dominance. And, and again, I'm not speaking to BDSM. I'm speaking to the psychology of what it means to be unfuckable with completely and utterly and also leaving space for your fucking humanity, right? And compassion for those moments too. I think that is self-dominance and having that trickle out into everything else. You were going to say something. I was going to say, I think that that ties so beautifully into what you were saying about people who are in that, they come to you and they're like, well, I'm telling them how I feel. I'm telling them how I feel. I'm telling them how I feel. And like, 
I know that I struggled with this. Like sometimes getting trapped in this place of telling people how you feel is also part of like a trauma response and a codependent mm. pattern. Like begging people to see your feelings when they don't and not getting mm-hmm. them either, right. Like there's a difference between wow. like there's this is a relationship where I am not witnessed. I'm not supported. I don't feel your love. I don't feel like my feelings are, are being, um, you know, treated as important in this space. And now I'm locked into this pattern with you where I'm constantly trying to explain myself to you and justify why <laughs> you love me. And like, I don't need to explain it to you. I need you to feel it. And if you don't, and you're not showing me that, I need to make a decision about whether or not this is a place I need to be. But sitting around in a relationship and trying to constantly explain to someone why they should love you is not the move. Oh, God, no. <laughs> oh, God, no. Exactly. So let's talk about that person. That person is like, oh, I'm telling them how I feel. I'm telling them how I feel. And they're not getting mm-hmm. it. They're not listening. And they come to you and they're, or they're like, I'm being an asshole and it's not working. What is the right. thing that you break down to them about, first of all, what dominance is and then what mm-hmm. dominance is? Right. So I wouldn't say this. I wouldn't say this like this. But the first thing that I would break down to them is that they're already doing dominance. They're already doing dominance. They're just not doing it well, right? Because there is, that is, you know, I say this kind of more hypnotically, to be honest, versus what's actually true. But they are doing an element of dominance. There's a craving. Let let me say it this way. There's a craving of dominance that's evident in how they're approaching it. There is a desire for dominance that is evident in how they approach their life, which can look like control and manipulation, you know, and I think that that's a beautiful thing. I mean, I don't think it's great or beautiful that they're trying to manipulate this person to love them, obviously, and neither do they, by the way, they don't, they know that they don't want to be that way. Um, But I do think it's a beautiful thing that this desire for dominance is coming out, let's call it. And so that's the first thing that I'll acknowledge. Like, look, you clearly desire to be the kind of person that has a commanding presence. You clearly desire to be the kind of person that gets what they want. And I don't mean that in a shitty way. I mean that in a way of like, of course, I have everything because I am the only power in my world. I mean that in a really leaned back, dropped in sort of way, right? So clearly that's what they desire. So that is usually what I'll speak to. I'll go, oh, honey, you know, like, no, this is, this is your dominance coming out sideways. Don't worry about it. That's normal. That's how it is for all of us, right? Nobody just comes out of the womb being great at dominance, especially if it was modeled poorly to you, which in our world, it has been. Spoiler alert. (laughs) And so then what I'll do is I'll get them to recognize that they're acting from fear, from scarcity, from doubt. Um, And that in their activation but what I want you to hear in activation is 
acting from, right? Acting from activating this fear and doubt, it just ignites fear and doubt in the other. And so actually this is the evidence that they are doing dominance because now they're seeing their fear and their doubt mirrored in this person one-to-one, right? Which is great. I mean, that's like a phenomenal ratio, really. It's right there. It's happening instantaneously. And that that's the thing that they actually get to flip around. But they must, obviously, since they are so powerful, and it is being mirrored back to them so very clearly, they must do it within themselves first. And then we begin. What does it look like to do it within yourself first? Um, it, I mean, it looks like a variety of things. Um, it looks like, in some cases, looking at the old stories. Um, in some cases, it looks like deeper embodiment and movement and moving trauma through your body. Right. In some cases, it just looks like a decision. Oh, you're right. I didn't I didn't realize I was trying to manipulate this person. I had no idea. Of course you didn't. Yeah. Ah, I'm not going to do that anymore. Great. How does it feel when you're in manipulation versus love? How does it feel? Notice, feel it in your body. So a lot of it is about tracking these feelings and then teaching people how to alchemize the pain into pleasure, into belief, into turn on, into power versus getting themselves taken away or out or taken over by the pain, by the fear, by the doubt. And teaching them that they are the ones in power, not their thoughts not their past, not their feelings, not their trauma, not their wounding. And they get to decide what happens inside, which then gets reflected back to them. I love this so much. And I think there's something so important here for my folks. They always hear me say everything is everything. Everything is everything. Like this applies to business, it applies to relationships, it applies to the crux of any type of personal development work that you do with a legit practitioner in pretty much any like it doesn't matter what you know, I'm gonna use like a church word, but like what denomination of personal working with a legit practitioner, they're going to start with leading you back to you. Um, and so often, you know, like I think about on the business coaching side, people come to me and they think that they have, you know, a system problem. They think that they just need someone to give them the Instagram strategy that's going to work. And I'm like, oh no, we have an emotional problem here. We have like a (laughs) in your life that leads you to like an extreme fear of visibility and you outsource all of your power and you're looking for a guru to come save your business, right? Like happening that have nothing to do with like the strategy is the last the strategy is the last piece what you're doing at with the outside world 
not only is it the last piece, but we probably don't even have to work on it at all. Like, because once we handle the inside stuff, all of that stuff is going to happen on its own. And like, I think that this is true in, you know, same thing with people. I'm thinking about like relationship coaching conversations I've had, which I think are, are still on that that realm of like, I'm telling them my feelings is that like, so often we are outsourcing the care of our own needs, our boundaries, our desires to other people. Like we're there's, we have this like very, we have been infantilized. Right. And so then we infantilize ourselves and we're like, I can't take care of this. Someone has to do it for me. You have to take care of my needs. You have to provide for me. You have to show me love. You have to honor my boundaries. And when you're like, well, what about you leaving? Where's the mm-hmm. part where you say no? Where's the part where you advocate for yourself? Where's the part where you remove yourself from rooms where you're not valued? Where's Where are you coming in and rescuing yourself first? Right. And that's well, hard. I'm oh, sorry, go on. No, no, I was going to say, like, that's like a, a place where I think like a lot of us are like, oh, like not realizing that we're outsourcing so much of our our care to other people in general. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, it's completely understandable, especially as women or more femme beings, because in the patriarchy that we live inside, there's no mistake in that. Oh no, that's right. Raised on it. It's every day. That is the setup, right? That is the setup. You need me, right? You need me oh, look, you have some slight feminine qualities. Oh, that means you need me. Oh, that means that you need me. That means that you're unsafe. Oh, that means that you can't survive and thrive in the world without me. Now that and those qualities is also your key to connection. Say more about that. Right? Well, I mean, we see this a lot in the spiritual community, right? Not the, I'm very spiritual, right? But you know what I mean. Hopefully you understand what I'm saying, right? In the peddling of femininity as submission is what I mean, Um, which it is not. Uh, The feminine lead, the feminine lead. And in that, what what is taught is that your value in connection is is your submission, right? Is your submission. Um, And there's many nuances. There's like so many, this is like a very messy pond to jump into in terms of the nuances and the gray areas and all these sorts of things. But your value is not your feminine energy. Right. Your value is not your masculine energy. Your value is not your dominance. Your value is not submission. Your value is you. It's your fucking breath. It's your presence. And within that, you get to design as a powerful person. You get to design the experience of, I desire to be feminine. Or I desire to be masculine. Or I desire to be, and I, you know what? I want an ice cream sundae with one banana, one strawberry, 
and one chocolate button, right? Like this is all your design. So none of these things are inherently real in terms of the playground of your creation. And you get to have fun. You get to go and look at what is what is being taught and said in the world and, and feel how it feels, right? How does it feel to believe that femininity is submission? It doesn't fucking feel good for me. And that gets to be your signal, right? That gets to be your sign. No, what feels true for me is femininity as get on your knees in a kinky, sexy way right? Not obviously, like that's in consent, that's in a consenting situation. Femininity to me looks like not having to even say a word if I don't want to, if I want to, I will. And leaning back and giving one look and having the person go, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I love you, right? Or I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that I believe in you. It's this depth of presence and connection. And you get to design that exactly how you want it to be. Um, And you, you don't have to live by the rules that society has tried to shove down everyone's throats. Um, that no one's happy with, right? No one's happy with. Uh, the the typical structure of men being dominant, oh, we just listen to him because he's a man, right? They don't like that. Like they don't, of, are there people who like that? Of course. But the majority of men, they don't like that. They don't want that. They're like, no, I want to hear what you want, right? And Oh, I mean, this goes down so many rabbit holes. But in essence, what I want everyone listening to know is that femininity is powerful, right? Feminine energy is so deliciously powerful. And you get to reclaim that. You get to reclaim your power in it. Femininity is not I will do whatever you say, right? Femininity is everything bends to my will because I say so, because I will it, because I am her. I love this so much. And I'm thinking about, so in my maybe late 20s, early 30s, I really started experimenting for myself with shifting I didn't have the language for it at the time, so I'm going to try to articulate this the best I could, but like shifting my relationship to the way that people look at me. Um, Mm. And I have a, you know, a dance background and I've Mm. always been a very curvy and very like, I think flirtatious and sexually effusive and where people are like oh my god you're flirting all the time and I'm like I'm really not I'm just talking to people it's just me (laughs) it's Libra season um it's not Libra problems yes Libra problems say no more 
Not my fault that everything I say is smoother than cream cheese on your bagel. That's not my fault. There she is. <laughs> yes. I, I know that I also like went through a phase, which I think many, many people do, where because of things that had been done to me and to my body, mm -hmm. uh, I had a feeling and an experience that... A, I knew that the way that people viewed me was powerful, right? Like, so I also danced at clubs and I would go-go and I would be like, I can't go-go because I, I, I'm either all the way on or I'm not. And if I'm all the way mm -hmm. on, I will shut this club down and everyone will stop dancing and stare at me. Go-go's mm -hmm. are here to get the party started. That's not what my magic is. I will hush mm -hmm. this up and there's nothing I can do about it. And I knew that I had that. And I also went through a phase where I felt like I was scared of it. Um, of course. It attracted energy that felt dangerous and felt unsafe. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I didn't know how to turn it off or when to turn it off. Or like, you know, I had no, um, energetically, I didn't, I felt like I have control, had control over it. And yeah. that made me feel like prey <laughs> more of than course. I wanted it to. And so I remember that I was going through a, a phase for myself where I was actively trying to cultivate this power for myself and be like, what is this, this thing that I can do? And I really started, like, my mantra was femininity is a spell. And mm. sometimes when I felt safe and I was in an environment, like, say I was, like, at dinner with friends, I would decide to turn it on and I would be like, I'm going to walk to the bathroom and see how many people I can make drop their fork. Mm -hmm. And just like look at me, mm -hmm. right? Like I'm not gonna talk to them, but I'm just gonna turn this on, and I'm gonna walk, and I'm gonna notice, right? And then I would get in the bathroom and be like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. and then I like, oh. I did it, I did it, I did it, thirty forks, thirty forks. Okay, now I'm gonna walk back, and on my way back, I'm gonna give a little glance to everyone who dropped their fork and let them know that I liked that they did that, and that I saw it, and that I appreciated it. Mm -hmm. And so, I'm just thinking about this cultivation I have the same thing on stage I, I co-run um the first all plus size strip show out here it's called thick strip what? and I am the performance coach for thick strip and it's this hugely beautiful transformative experience and we've coached people from like I don't open my eyes during sex to like performing naked on stage getting money thrown at them in six weeks. oh this is amazing and one of the things that I always have the hardest time conveying to people at Thick Strip, mm -hmm. and I think that you'll be able to get where I'm going with this and speak to this, is that the people who come in with a planned routine who really dance don't make any money. Oh, never. <laughs> never. You do not make money. It makes everyone sit back and fold their hands and feel like they should just watch you. Oh my God, never. Most are the ones who go out prepared to interact. I'm talking while I'm on stage. I say hi to people. I'm saying thank you when people give me money. I'm noticing them noticing me and going right to them and dropping in and engaging with them. Like all mm -hmm. the money that you make is not from you having a plan that you're executing for them. It's mm -hmm. going out and making them feel special because they're like in the glow of your presence. It's like, I think sometimes that feminine energy feels like the sun, right? Like you are shining warmth on someone and lighting them up in a way that yes. so, um, they're like, where can I get more of that? How can I get more of being in the warmth of that presence and that, mm -hmm. and that gaze, mm -hmm. um, which is totally different from 
how can I go out and control every single aspect of what people are seeing of me to make it like, to make it safe, to make it profitable. I think the same thing happens in business. Right? We're trying to control everything because we feel like that's what's going to get the result we want. We're really like going out and sharing our warmth with people and making them feel special, making them feel seen, making them feel like they're basking in the glow of our presence is like what makes people open their wallet. And that's true in an online business sense. And it's true on a strip stage. Like it's true everywhere. Totally. And, and that reminds me of sort of the difference between what is being peddled as feminine energy um, um, in a lot of the sort of spiritual world and actual feminine energy. Yeah. which is powerful. You know, it's the difference between, oh my God, I'm going to be in this feminine energy. And like in this, you know, people are going to, you know, give to me and things like that, which is a beautiful thing. Right. And of course that is a thing that occurs and just tweaking that slightly and going, that's true. And I'm also going to ask for it. Not because I have to, because I want to, because it feels good, because I love the feeling of beckoning someone towards me, calling them in, and then whispering in their ear, this is what's going to happen next, right? This is what we're going to do. And that also gets to be feminine too, right? That also gets to be feminine too. Yeah. And there's such great power that exists in the beckoning in versus the going out to get, right? The hunting, the going out to get. Um, and if that feels good for you, like I know people that do hunting in business, like they they go and they DM people and they, you know, and if that feels good for you, if that works for you, you know, don't, what is it? What is it that they say? If it isn't broken, don't fix it. And there is something beautiful about beckoning people into you. And there's that fine tuning, right? Of the difference between beckoning, hunting, and then begging, which I feel oh, like yeah. people are like, they they think that the, the choice is either begging or hunting. They mm, interesting. Right? They're like, oh, please. Like, right? Or like they feel like if I'm asking for business that I'm asking someone for a favor. Mm, right? like interesting. I'm asking, me, I'm asking you to do something. I'm asking you to help me. And that's like, mm -hmm. you're not asking someone to help you if you're providing them a valuable service. Like, right. they're not doing you a favor. Right. Well, and that has to do with, self-esteem and self-concept mm -hmm. more than anything else. Um, that's just a reflection of that individual self-concept, which is I'm unworthy, right? I'm unworthy. Um, maybe I'm an imposter, you know, something like this, I'm sure. And this is one of the things that I love about feminine dominance is it's an identity, that 
kind of gets rid of, extricates all of the other identities that don't serve you, right? Because if you just identify as someone who is feminine and who is dominant, and you can identify however you want to, this is simply what I teach, which is fucking amazing, of course. It really clears up a lot of that stuff. Because instead of going, oh, you know, should I ask for money? It's like, well, what does this individual say? What does this, does this um, dominant plus feminine individual do? And like I said, I have people that I just teach dominance to as well. Um, and it's a similar sort of principle. What do they say? What do they do? And it's in that that you no longer have to think, oh, my God, I don't know if I deserve this. Like, well, that's not the game that we're playing. We're not playing the game called, do you deserve this, right? We can play that game whenever you want to. We can unpack what's there. We can work through it. And that's a thing that, you know, I do with my clients, of course, obviously. And when you're in the moment and I'm not there, right, or you're not there, it's going, actually, I'm going to table this for a second. What does the dominant person say in this situation? What does the dominant person do? And these are skills, right? These are skills that you get to learn that radically transform your own growth in that, in the, in the transforming of old pain and hurt and self-concepts and worthiness wounds and all of these sorts of things, because you start to practice what it is to be dominant and you, you wake up one day and you go, oh, it's weird. I don't, I don't remember ever not being this way, you know, and that's where I think the greatest change gets to occur is when you realize that the lifestyle that you're living and believing and speaking and creating is not the lifestyle that you actually desire. Um, the lifestyle that you desire is going to probably feel uncomfortable to animate and be and act in at first. However, once you lock it in, once you lock in your power, it just becomes who you are. And all of those other questions around your value and your worth and what you should charge, can I charge this amount, just completely go out the window because you understand that you're the one who makes the rules. You understand that you're the one that says that you are valuable and so you are and that that's it. And no other conversation has to be had around it. I mean, unless you want to, of course. Right. But you might find that you don't. I love everything about this. I'd love if you're down to give like a side by side comparison because we're on this topic of the energetic of the way that someone would make an offer in their business. And we could, you know, this can be an online offer. It can be to a client. It can be an email. But how somebody would make an offer if they're in the energy of I'm either begging or I'm hunting Right. I'm not I'm not sure what to do. I feel weird about proposing that people pay me for something. 
versus mm-hmm. from the position of feminine dominance? What would those two different offers feel like or look like? So I would call that the difference between unhealthy submission, because submission is deeply powerful. Mm-hmm. And I'm speaking to submission as a trauma response. When you freeze, it happens to look like submission, right? In a really bad way. When you fawn, it happens to look like submission in a really bad way, right? There's also really powerful, healthy, transformational submission, which we love. And I'm not talking about in this instance. So what that looks like is the difference between healthy dominance and bad submission, basically, right? Um, So someone who is not getting what they want, let's call it that way, let's call it that, is in submission as a trauma response, not as a choice, not as an empowered choice. And what that looks like is fawning. What that looks like is they're, they're nervous, right? They're nervous. They're afraid of the other person because the other person has the power. Um, what that looks like is making money mean power, which is understandable because our society has indoctrinated you to think that they that hold the money holds the power. And I understand that. And I mean, again, that gets into a much deeper conversation. And so I'm just saying, I get it. But that person is seeing the other person with money as the power um, instead of themselves as the power. They are afraid and they are in some amount of scarcity, right? Whether that's actual financial scarcity, which I think is a really common one, or just scarcity of their gifts and, you know, who they are. And ultimately, they're coming from not enoughness. I don't have enough clients. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough knowledge. um, I don't have enough presence, whatever it is. It's all the same thing. It's all not enoughness. And then in that, what it sounds like when they're pitching, if you will, I'm using bunny ear ear quotes, air quotes, as I say that, bunny ear air quotes. (laughs) When they're pitching, um, they probably sound something like over-explaining, you know, over-explaining a lot of how it will work. Um, They're definitely making everything about them, which is very submissive. Everything's about, oh my God, they look the other way. That must mean that they don't want to work with me. Oh my God, they didn't answer right away. That must mean everything's about their experience, right? Versus the person in front of them, um, their experience, right? And they probably sound something like, what do you think? Right? Uh, so, so what do you think? They cannot leave any space for silence. The silence scares them. Whereas on the other side, someone who is dominant knows that everyone wants to work with them. Of course you want to work with me. So let's figure out what that looks like. I, the question of does this person who has sought me out and has been on the line with me for even, I mean, it doesn't matter that it's been a half an hour, but just for example, do they want to work with me? The answer is yes. Of course they do. 
of course you want to work with me. I am the best at what I do. I'm amongst the best, right? I know the transformation that my clients get. People experience instant transformation in my presence. And so, of course, you want to work with me. So in the knowing that, of course, you want to work with me, and by the way, of course, I want to work with you, if that's true, right? There are people that you might not want to work with and then don't, obviously. (laughs) Assuming that that's true, which it is, how, how do you want to make this happen? Right? How do you want to make this happen? What feels good for you? When do you want to begin? Assuming that I have space. Right? When do you want to begin? Would you like to pay in multiple payments? Would you like to pay all at once? Should we split this up? What feels good for you? You don't hesitate. You go right into that conversation and you make it about them, not about you, because it isn't about you. You have already gotten the you part taken care of, which is I'm valuable. My work is valuable. My fucking presence is valuable. So this isn't about me. I'm not nervous. What is there to be nervous about? Everyone wants to work with me. Now let's figure out how. So I hope that answers your question. (laughs) I was going to say, I hope if you're listening to this, that you like go back and run that back. If this is an area where you struggle, because we really just like Pamela just gave you a masterclass. Um, But like, there's something so important about understanding that if you're going into a sales conversation or a business conversation from the perspective of whether you say yes to this sale or not is going to show me my worth and my value. Yeah. Versus I came into this conversation knowing my worth and my value, and now we're just sorting out details. It's exactly. a totally different position to come in at on. And I think that there's going to be a lot of people who can really feel that in their body of like, oh, yeah, I do go in being like, I'm nervous the whole conversation because I'm waiting for whether or not they're going to say yes or no. And the rest of my day or my week or my month is going to be determined by whether you say yes or no to me. Like, am I going to hang up this phone and cry and go be ashamed and go have my day be ruined? Or am I going to hang up this phone and go celebrate is completely dependent on your answer, which is entirely removed when you come in with the position of like, I'm deciding whether or not you get to work with me. I'm screening you as well. And like, I already know, Mm -hmm. I know this would be good for you. Now we're just hammering it out. Exactly. And it's the same thing in dating, right? It's the, if you don't say yes to being with me, I will be destroyed. Which is what most people do in dating. Most people that struggle with dating, let's say that. Most people that struggle with dating, they're just waiting. Like they're waiting. They're clinging on and they're waiting for the moment to go, you did this to me. Which is the epitome of submission, a bad submission. You're powerless. You're just waiting for the moment to be fucking disappointed again. That is, that's like a, a, a rat in a maze being shocked. Like it is a horrible way to exist. Um, and so 
a lot of people are like, well, how do I change it? How do I change it? I feel like I can't change it. You get to acknowledge it's a horrible way to choose to live, first of all. And that you get to shift that. It feels fucking terrible to be nervous on a sales call. It feels fucking terrible to be like, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop in my relationships and then have that person prove that to you over and over and over again. And again, it's not your fault, right? If you, especially if you are a femme being listening to this, it is not your fault. You have been trained since day one (laughs) to be this way, right? To be this way. And I don't think anyone escapes it. I think we all have to face this. I love that. Um, and, and so it's okay. And also you get to recognize. And you get to go, wow, isn't it funny that dominance feels terrifying? I wonder why. Right? I wonder why. That's by design. And yet it's in this space that you get to finally ask for what you want and get it. It's in this space that instead of being a choose me, pick me, value me person, you walk in the world knowing who you are and you lean back And you get to receive so much more than you would have otherwise. And at the end of the day, a dominant person does not concern themselves with someone saying no. So it's not that dominant people don't get rejected. I get rejected. Right? People say no. But it isn't rejection to me. It's simply feedback. It means nothing about me. It means nothing about who I am. It means nothing about my value. It means nothing about my worth. It's simply feedback that I get to look at and see and go, oh, oh, wow, this is gold. I didn't realize I felt this way or I I saw it this way. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's also really important to understand that whether we're looking at this through the lens of dominance and submission, we're looking at it through the lens of boundaries versus armor, we're looking at it through the lens of trauma, that so many of us have a really bad relationship with no. Because if all oh, yeah. of my worth is tied up in whether or not you say yes to me or give me what I want, mm. I'm going to be crushed if you say no. I am not healthy enough to genuinely want you to do what's right for you, even totally. if you're not being with me, right? Like when I'm secure in myself, I'm spacious mm-hmm. enough to be like, I don't want you to say yes to me to take care of me. I want you to say yes to what's right for you and exactly right for you. I honor your wholeness, your sovereignty, your decisions, and like even if I'm bummed because I wanted to do something with you or I wanted to date you, I wanted to work with you, I wanted you to say yes, I want you to do what's right for you more than anything. 
And oh, I absolutely. Got all tangled up in like what it means about me. And so, so many of us really need to like dive into like what our relationship with no is, both saying it to other people and receiving it from other yeah. people. And if it's really hard for us to hear no, there's some stuff that we probably need to do to make it safe for other people to be their whole selves. Cause that like your no is part of your whole self. My God. Well, and not only that, you don't want to date somebody who doesn't want to date you, right? You don't want to, you do not want a client that isn't a full fuck yes. Trust me. <laughs> you don't, right? You don't, you want to make sure that people are in that energy. You want to make sure that people are telling you no, if it's a no, right? So yeah, so well said, so well said. I know we only have a couple more minutes. You're a busy person. You have all kinds of things to do today. She's booked in. <laughs> um, True. Before we go, I guess if you would be willing, I've been ending when I have guests with just like off the cuff games that I've been thinking of, but if you would be willing to take us through maybe the person listening, like a let's go one to two minute, just experience in their body of tapping into their own felt sense of dominance. Could you do that? Could you take them there? Absolutely. Do that. Oh my God. Absolutely. So I want you to just relax and lean back. Lean all the way back. And feel so supported in your leaning back. And just for a moment, I want you to go within. Really go within, inside of your own inner landscape and Really inviting you, if it's available to you, to close your eyes. Go within your own inner landscape. And just clean out anything that's there that doesn't belong. And what I want you to do is turn on the light inside of your heart. And as you turn on the light inside of your heart, I want you to turn on your turn on like a flame that starts to come up from your perineum, up, 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 up through your heart, up, through your throat, noticing the drip beginning in your mouth, noticing that you have more saliva in your mouth, and just relaxing. Noticing that maybe your pupils have started to dilate just a little. And yet you feel so relaxed so connected to love. In this, your third eye begins to open like you have the vision.
like your intuition penetrates all. Like whatever you speak becomes truth. Whatever you ask for is done. And you are unattached to how and where and why. You are in this deep knowing that the moment that you speak it, it is done. You are in this deep knowing that everyone and everything lives to support and love you. That everything is in support of you. And in a moment, I want you to, when I count to three, I want you to open your eyes and I want you to take your focus and attention out of yourself. And put it on someone or something else, slightly just below your gaze. Taking your focus and attention out of yourself and putting it on someone or something else, just slightly below your gaze. One, two, and three. Opening your eyes. As I snap my fingers, feeling leaned back, almost like you're drawing everything into you. And locking the sensation in, knowing that you don't have to do anything. And that you actually just get to be. And in this place and in this space, everything naturally begins to unfold for you. And you get to relax. And you get to receive. Yum. (laughs) How did that feel? So nice. Everyone, you couldn't see me, but I just laid back and received that as well. And it was delightful. I hope you did as well. And save this episode. You can come back to that little guidance anytime you'd like. So before we let you go, Pamela, where would you like people to find you? What do you have going on right now? How can people get in touch? Where are you online? Follow me on Instagram at the awakened Aphrodite. And you can also check me out on YouTube under The Awakened Aphrodite. The best way to get in contact with me is to DM me on Instagram or to email me at Pamela at theawakenedaphrodite.com. I do have one spot open for one-on-one coaching right now, um, which is a year long. We speak on an almost daily basis. It's amazing. 
And I will be releasing a new program very, very soon. Um, it's top secret, so I can't tell you what it is. Uh, but it's going to be amazing. And it's going to be all about really locking in this energy and having that show up in your world via wealth and love and intimacy and oof, the most amazing thing. Love it. Thank you so much. And I'll put all of those links in the show notes below for you so you can make sure that you follow Pamela and get in touch with her and check out all of her amazing offerings. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you so much, Sarah. Bye, everybody. That's our episode for today. Thank you, as always, for being here and for listening to the podcast. I know there are so many things that you could be doing with your time, so many things you could be listening to. It is an honor that you choose to be here. Connect with me on Instagram at Intuitive Edge Coaching or join my Facebook group, Unstuck Group, to suggest topics or people that you'd like to hear me interview on this show. Have a great day.